Right, turn with me to Daniel 3. And we will all probably know this story. Most of us will have been introduced to this story as children, normally. Maybe from watching VeggieTales. Um, maybe from a book. And what happens, and this is no disrespect to VeggieTales. I've got with the kids club team in the room, very hesitant and careful what I say now. It's no disrespect to VeggieTales. But what, ha- what can happen is that when we learn a story... Because we think we know the story, what we can do is sometimes we don't really ever revisit it as an adult. And actually, this is not a, a good children's story. I mean, whoever actually thought that this would be a good one to start telling our kids, oh, three guys that get bound up and thrown into a fire. And even when we think of like Daniel in the lion's den, oh yeah, let's do a story for children on torture a man who they want to have maimed to death by animals. Um, I, I don't need to be explained. I understand that the focus is on, look, Daniel was saved. And look, Meshach, Shadrach and Abednego was saved. I, I get all of that. I get all of that. I'm just saying that these, these are brutal kids' stories. And w- what, I'm, what I'm trying to get at is, if we read this and consider the only thing that it's telling us is about going into a fire and getting out again, because that's what we learned as a kid, we may actually miss a lot of what is trying to be said here. Because actually, a kid's story can't actually sum up the entire of a very graphic, deep critique of what the Babylonian culture stands to represent. So, I want us to re-look at this story. And what we're going to be looking at is because fundamentally the, the, the main part of this story is definitely three guys, their Babylonian names Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, go into a furnace because they would not acknowledge the gods of King Nebuchadnezzar. And what we should be looking at and considering is, and what I want us to get out of this is understanding the struggle to be faithful when we find ourselves in a foreign land. You know, there are times in our life where we find ourselves disorientated, which is what we've been talking about over the last three weeks. And we're looking at the struggle to remain faithful at that period of time. And it can be difficult when we've learned a story as a child to break out of the box of thinking that this is more than just a fire. The one fundamental thing about this story is understanding what happens... When our identity, especially as a nation, gets lifted to the, to the point of divine authority. Let me explain what I mean. And this is an example out of one of the most brutal periods of the last century. There was a man named Baldor von Schirach, who was the man, if you didn't know, that started the Hitler Youth. And he made this statement in 1936. 1936. He says, One cannot be good, a good German and at the same time deny God. But an arousal of faith in the eternal German is at the same time an arousal of faith 
in the eternal God. He said, if we as true Germans act according to the law of God, whoever serves Adolf Hitler, the Führer, serves Germany, and whoever serves Germany serves God. This kind of national identity being lifted to the place of God leads to the horrors of humanity that we have witnessed. And this is what Daniel 3 is about. Because what we're going to read about is a king who elevates himself to the place of God and says to everyone, serve me as though I am God. And it leads to the expendability of humanity. Stick with me. I don't know whether this sounds a little bit abstract or a little bit theological, but stick with me, please. What do we do when we are submerged in a culture that is going in a direction that is lifting itself and elevating itself above divine authority, above the authority of God, what do you do in that circumstance? Churches can no longer meet. What do you do? How do we respond to that? It's been a challenging 12 months for me. And one where I believe, en masse, the church has fallen asleep. And I'm willing to say this publicly. I believe over the last 12 months, the church has been too happy to see the eradication of our community. And there will be disastrous consequence to this for some people. There's no doubt about that. This is a defining moment in history for me. And I don't say that lightly. But what do we do? What do we do? How do we deal with that? How should we respond? Because I know how some Christians would respond. With defiance with protest, with aggression, with shouting. Well, let's see what the lesson from Daniel 3 has for us today. Let's read. We're going to read all of it because we're in church related to. It's from Daniel 3. It says, King Nebuchadnezzar made an image of gold 60 cubits high and 6 cubits wide. That's about 90 feet high and 9 foot wide, okay? 90 feet high, 9 foot wide. It's big. Do you not think it's weird? Seriously, like, he's just... In the last chapter that we read about last week, um, he had a dream about how there was a statue and he was the top and it was gold, but it all got, like, crushed and it all broke down. Here he is now building it. Like... I mean, what sort of guy hears a story about, you know, there's this statue and, you know, it's going to destroy you. And so he builds it. Um, it's an image of gold, 60 cubits high and 6 cubits wide. And he set it up on the plain of Jura in the province of Babylon. 
He then summoned the satraps, the prefects, the governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all the other provincial officials to come to the dedication of the image he had set up. That list is going to repeat itself a few times. The idea of that list is almost to be a little bit ridiculous because basically like the, the list is like everybody in the world and it keeps going and it's almost like this kind of overtly ridiculous list of, you know, it'd be like saying, you know, this guy made an image and he asked all the council workers or the bin men or the, 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 all the nurses or the office staff or the police officers or the firemen or the, like every single list. It's like almost to make it a little bit silly. And we just keep on doing it. It's like, that's kind, of the, the, that's the kind of the edge in the writing. So the satraps, the prefects, the governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all the other provincial officials assembled for the dedication of the image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. And they stood before it. Then, he herald loudly, then the herald loudly proclaimed, Nations and people of every language. This is what I co you are commanded to do. As soon as you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the zither, the lyre, the harp, the pipe, and all kinds of music, you must fall down and worship the image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. Whoever does not fall down and worship will immediately be thrown into a blazing furnace. Therefore, as soon as they hear the sound of the, the horn, the flute, the zither, the lyre, the harp, and all kinds of music, again, another ridiculous list, all the nations and all the peoples of every language fell down and worshipped the image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Now, what we have to keep reminding ourselves, and this is a little bit of, of kind of Bible teaching, and um, whenever we're hearing, the, the, the word here for the image is selam. Okay, which if I remember, we talked about it last week. And when we looked at the first five books of the Bible, Selim is, your mind has to go back to Genesis. Whenever you hear the word image or idol or statue, check out the Blue Letter Bible, find out what the original word was. I guarantee you it will be Selim. Go back, right? And so the first thing that we have to put this into context with is what our creator said. Because here we're talking about a king creating an image. The start of the story was about a king creating an image. And, and our minds have to go back to that point. You see, we were always, always told, don't build an image. Don't build a stellum. And the main, we have to ask ourselves why. Well, very easily, first of all, it's because why? The creator created a stellum in me and you. He already created an image. So the fundamental problem is that when the created look to create a selling, they can only use what is before them and what they can conceive from creation. And therefore, immediately, what it simply does is reduce the image of God to something that we could conjure up. And what it begins to do is blur the line fundamentally between the creator and the created. We are called to serve the creator. If we build an image, we are now worshipping the created. And it, it fundamentally leads to what we're going to hear about. And this isn't just a story for one time in history. This has happened all the time. 
all the time. If you think of a time where a person, a king, a ruler, a dictator, has created an image, an idol, a statue of themselves, life is expended on behalf of it. Because bearing down to the image is to completely blur the lines between the creator and the created. We end up worshipping something that is less than what God had intended. Because God had already created his selim. This selim part is going to form part of a nice little wordplay a little bit later on. You'll find out it's quite, it's quite clever. Let's read from verse 8. It says, so At this time some astrologers came forward and denounced the Jews. They said to the king, to King Nebuchadnezzar, "May the king live forever." We've heard this before in the last version, in the last chapter. May the king live forever. Your Majesty has issued a decree that everyone who hears the sound of the horn, the flute, the zither, the lyre, the harp, pipe, and all kinds of music, which I don't know if someone ever told them, all kinds of music also sums up the horn, the pipe, the zither, the harp. It must fall down and worship the image of gold. And that whoever does not fall down and worship will be thrown into a blazing furnace. But there are some Jews who you have set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who pay no attention to you, your majesty. They neither serve your gods nor worship the image of gold you have set up. Furious with rage, Nebuchadnezzar summoned Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So these men were brought before the king, and Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the image of gold I have set up? Now, when you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the zither, the lyre, the harp, the pipe, and all kinds of music, if you're ready to fall down and worship the image I made, very good. But if you do not worship it, you'll be thrown immediately into a blazing furnace. Then, what God will be able to rescue you from my hand? Okay, let's stop there. Babylon. Babylon Certainly in biblical writing, it becomes an archetype. It actually becomes to sum up um, all empires and all kings and all reigns of all time. And it's important to us because fundamentally what we're dealing with here in this story is what happens when humans... Trouble. You know, they weren't outside King Nebuchadnezzar's castle with a placard. They weren't protesting at his door. They weren't shouting abuse at him. and They weren't shouting him down and calling him a blasphemer and, a, and, and, and really going heavy. No, they, they were ratted out. It was somebody underhanded said, you know those guys over there? You don't even realise, but they're not worshipping you. And so... What happens is that the world 
approaches these guys and says, you better follow us. You better do what we're doing. Because if not, you know, there is nothing that will rescue you from us. And you know, at times it can feel that the world threatens us. And at times we can feel like we have no other option. Because to not follow would be so so disastrous for our lives. So devastating for our position. So devastating. The effects of not following what everybody else is doing will cost us everything. And so, let's look at their response. It says, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, this response is just priceless. And this is how we should learn how to respond. We don't need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. You know, if we're thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver from us. And he will deliver us from your hand. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold that you have set up. You know, this calm, peaceful understanding. Did these three guys get saved or spared from the fire? No. They did not. They had to enter that fire. These guys, did they know they would get spared their lives? No, they did not. One thing that these guys had was a peace and a fundamental understanding that first and foremost, the authority that they followed was God's. And what they also understood was that they lived way beyond the situation or the circumstance. Because to these three guys, being in the fire or not in the fire was totally irrelevant. It was totally irrelevant. Being rescued from it, being not rescued from it. Being in it, being out of it. Serving Nebuchadnezzar, not serving Nebuchadnezzar. They weren't trying to, they didn't defend themselves. They weren't aggressive. They just knew that one thing that they were not going to do was compromise and begin to worship something that dehumanized themselves and they put God first. It was resistance at all costs. But it was peaceful, it was measured, it had wisdom, it wasn't aggressive. This message today, fundamentally, young people, young people, listen to me. Please listen to me. We are in a culture and in a world that makes you feel that if you do not 
follow. That your life is over. That if you don't take part, if you don't say yes, if you don't fit in, we know what it feels like. That when everybody else is bearing down, to stand up takes courage. I'm not asking you to preach at anyone. I'm not asking you to be aggressive and tell everybody else they're wrong. I'm not asking you to do anything like that. I'm asking you to have strength and courage like these three guys. That when everybody else bows, you have a fundamental understanding that there is an authority higher than the powers of this world. Self-harm in girls under the age of 30 is escalating at an absolutely horrendous rate. Over the last 10 years, it has just gone up and up and up and up. Self-harm in boys under the age of 30 is going absolutely through the roof. Suicide is increasing. In human history, whenever there is an authority that places itself at the height of God and makes you think, unless I serve, unless I serve and do what everybody else is doing, my life will be over. Let's read what happens. It says, Then Nebuchadnezzar was furious with Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. His attitude toward them changed. Here's the wordplay. It doesn't work in English, does it? So if you read that in its original language, it says, His selim towards them changed. So his attitude, depending on what version of the Bible, it says his, his vision or his expression changed. The word there is selim. So the irony is that he's built a selim for everybody to follow but he can't even control his own salam anymore. So his salam is changing. It's kind of meant to be, it's a wordplay. It's really, really clever. Um, he ordered the furnace heated seven times hotter than usual and commanded some of the strongest soldiers in his army to tie up Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego and throw them into the blazing furnace. So these men wearing their robes, trousers, turbans and other clothes were bound, thrown into the blazing furnace. The king... Command, king's command was so urgent that the furnace so hot that the flames of the fire killed the soldiers. Let me tell you, when, when we begin to obey the structures and cultures of this world higher, than, higher and more foremost than God, life is expended. If, you were, if you're over the age of 21 years old, you have to realise that you were born into the bloodiest century that history has ever known. More life was expended and killed in war and conflict because of nations lifting themselves up above the place of God than any other time in history. And if you're born and less than 20 years old, you are living in a time where people are killing themselves more and harming themselves more than any other time in history. When we serve something above God, human 
life becomes expended. It is the horror of our broken humanity and it is evident in our world and it is heartbreaking because what we see time and time again are people who feel that they're not good enough, that they're not worthy, that they're ugly, that their bodies don't fit, that they are in some way less than because of the culture and the systems that we've put in place in our nation. And I'm here to say that we have to begin to dethrone the idols that we have lifted up in our world. But we have to do it like Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, peacefully, with wisdom, with a strong and resolute resistance to these things because we fundamentally know that if it, if it means bowing down to an image that dehumanises us, I know that it will be hard I know that it will mean standing up when everybody else is bowing. I know that it will mean somebody ratting you out. You know, they don't have such and such and they don't have this and they're not on that and they don't have the right this and they don't have the right that. And at times it can, it can feel like being in a fire. This is then King Nebuchadnezzar leaped to his feet in amazement and he asked his advisors, weren't there three men that we tied up and threw into the fire. They replied, certainly, your majesty. He said, look, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed. And the fourth looks like a son of the gods. Nebuchadnezzar then approached the opening and the blazing furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, servants of the most high God, come out, come here. He saw that, not a, saw that the fire had not harmed their bodies, nor was a hair of their head singed and their robes were not scorched and there was no smell of fire on them. Praise be to God who sent this angel to rescue his servants. They trusted in him and defied the king's command and were willing to give their lives rather than serve or worship any other God rather than their own God. Right at the end there, all of a sudden, King Nebuchadnezzar resorts back to type. And he said, now if, anyone doesn't, if anybody does anything wrong to these three guys, I'm going to cut them into pieces and tear all their houses down. <laughs> I hear all the time people say, the Bible's not relevant. Well, you want to know what? If we resort this story, this chapter, into about three guys that walk into a fire, I'm going to guess that there's a chance that no one's going to open up a furnace and ask you to walk into it. This story is not about the fire. It's not about the fire. What it is, is it's about a people group lifting their identity in something up so high that it takes the place of God. And what happens when people do that is that human lives become less. They become expendable and it costs people's lives. 
Uh, and we're living in a, time in, in a time in history where we're seeing young people hurt themselves more than ever. And there's a root cause of all of that. And we need to begin to peacefully resist, to be able to recognize in culture that there has to be more than this. We have to learn where to draw the lines. We have to begin to open our eyes up. You know, these guys weren't shut away, locked in a convent. These guys had government jobs. They were working for the government. It would be like, it would be like these guys work for Facebook but don't have the app. Do you know what I mean? They, like, they work for Facebook but they don't have the app because they realise, actually, you know what? Uh, that's not good for me. That's not good for me. You know, uh, young people, listen to me. Begin to resist. Begin to resist. I'm not asking you to preach. I'm not asking you to convince other people. Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, they didn't try and defend themselves. They just said, look, we don't have to... You're King Nebuchadnezzar, you're not my God. And it's having the strength to say, this culture is not my God. The way that you people want to live, that's, that's not for me. I don't have to defend myself. I don't have to come up with a good reason why. I'm just not serving that. Because I want more for myself. Because I believe in life. And we have to begin to open our eyes up. When I say that the church was sleeping earlier, there are serious things going on in our... There are serious things happening in our world and in our culture. And we have to do... We, we have a responsibility to teach into it, to talk into it, and to rescue our young people from it. And this doesn't just extend... Just belong with young people. The rates of depression, anxiety are just going up and up. We have stripped God out of our schools, out of our governments, out of our society en masse. And as we're doing that, the hospitals are getting fuller. Alcoholism is on the increase, drug use is on the increase, self-harm is on the increase, suicide is on the increase. We live on a knife edge at times. It's so hard to know what the right thing to do is. And it can be like feeling like we live on a knife edge. And it was obviously for these three guys, because as I said yesterday, you know, they had to learn when to say no, what they could do, what they couldn't do. And it wasn't easy. And I'm not saying this is easy. But we shouldn't also, we shouldn't hide ourselves away, lock the doors, and we shouldn't raise arms, and we shouldn't get violent, and there should, we should never be aggressive with a world that it's turning its back on the Creator. That's not the right way of dealing with it. We're shown how to deal with it here, peacefully. They didn't disobey the king's orders. They just didn't recognize him as God. They knew when to say no. They weren't looking for trouble. But we need to begin to dethrone 
the idols that we have lifted up in this world. In Colossians 1, 15 to 20, it says this by the Apostle Paul. It says, The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things and all things hold together. And in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead. So that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him. And through him to reconcile to himself all things. Whether things on earth or things in heaven. By making peace, peace through his blood shed on the cross. Jesus allowed the horrors of what happens when a national identity, the Roman cross, the thing that defined what Rome stood for, an execution cross, he allowed that national identity to consume him, to demonstrate to you and me that he's the he is the power and the authority of creation. And he is the ruler of this world. And we have, to, we have to begin to resist the things that are dehumanizing us. We have to begin to resist the things that are dehumanizing our children. We have to begin to learn when to say no. We're living in a culture where you can say yes to everything. You have to learn to say no. Not in protest. You don't have to shout it from the rooftops. You don't have to change your Facebook status. But you have to begin to learn. To say, you want to know what? I think this is killing me. Do you want to know what? I think that this is, this is not healthy for me. You know the giants of this world, the, the Googles and the Facebooks and these big organisations. You know, they, some of them have a GDP higher than some nations. They become an identity in themselves. And I, I'm not anti-establishment. I'm not anti-government. But sometimes we can be too passive when something is killing us. When something is killing us. When it's dehumanizing us. When it's making our life expendable for its cause. And we have to begin to learn and go, God is the authority in my life. And I will place him first. And these things, these idols that I've lifted up, these institutions that I've lifted up above and in place of God, I need to dethrone them and put them in their proper place. To put God as the, as the head. To put God in the, at the top of what I'm serving. You know, I said that, you know, what happens when we're in a culture 
in a foreign land. And, we, and what happens when we're, stro- we're submerged in a culture that is heading in a direction that goes against life, and goes against restoration? How do we respond? We respond by resisting it. Putting our trust in God. Understanding that we can live above our circumstance and beyond our situation. You know, throughout this lockdown, yes, churches have been closed. But it's been possible with will and with desire to continue to connect. It has been possible through determination and through a willingness to want to continue to see the community of God be reached, stretched. It's been possible. But it's not possible if we're sleeping on it. It's not possible if we just let it all happen to us. Actually, what will begin to happen is we'll become less than. When we're submerged in a culture that is heading in the wrong direction, we have to realize that we serve a divine authority that is higher, that is higher than the culture is demanding. King Nebuchadnezzar demanded everything and he believed that he was the highest authority that these people could deal with. And that if they didn't follow him, they would die. But what really happened? The men that were following Nebuchadnezzar and his orders, they died in this story. The three men that peacefully said, you want to know what? That's, that's not healthy for me. That goes against what I believe. They're the ones that lived. And they're the ones that didn't mind whether they lived or died. It's, it's an interesting story. It's a lesson to us. It's a lesson on learning that it's not right to be aggressive. It's not right to protest. It's not right to, to, to break the law. It's not right to, to come against with aggression the ruling authority of the country that we live in. We have to obey the laws of the land. There's no doubt about that. But we also have to resist. We have to resist the temptation to flow in a direction that will dehumanize us and kill us. I suppose today's message is a little bit abstract because what we're not talking about here, we're not talking about the national identity of Germany in the 40s. We're not talking about that sort of stuff in in our world. We're talking about the institutions that are rife in our society that are killing people. The the culture that is dehumanising young people. The culture that is harming young people and, and our need to have to stand and resist it for the sake of life. For the sake of life, even when the culture makes us think that it's going to throw us into a fire. We have to resist it. Stand up. Don't keep bowing down to the things that are going to kill you. Don't keep bowing down to the idols that are going to kill you. Dethrone them. Remember that you serve the Creator, not the created. Amen.